Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. This sermon is entitled, God is Birthing Something New. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verse 22. If you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, it'll be up on the screen for you to read along. Uh, and so verse 22, it says this, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. I've been up close and personal to the birth of both of my kids. I was up there right with Priscilla, massaging her, uh, speaking life over her, uh, right there the whole time seeing her suffer, seeing her go through the pain of childbirth. Uh, and although she did go through a lot of pain, it is the most beautiful, exhilarating experience to witness the birth of a child. There is absolutely nothing like it. But aren't you glad that babies don't just pop out at any moment? You're pregnant one day and you just don't know. It could be day four. It could be day 13. It could be day uh, 99. You just don't know. You could be at the grocery store. You could be uh, drinking coffee. You could be eating dinner. You could be at work and the baby just comes popping. Aren't you glad that that just doesn't happen? Aren't you glad that there are some warning signs? Aren't you glad that as mom becomes full term, there are uh, some warning signs that the baby is ready to come out uh, they're called birth pangs or contractions or birth pain. Those of you in here who have ever given birth understand the pain of childbirth, especially those of you who have ever had a natural childbirth, which means you had zero pain medication and you birthed a child. My, my wife birthed one that way. She was, on the, she was birthing Avia that way as well, but Avia... She was stubborn in the womb. She's still stubborn today. So we had some complications and had to have an emergency C-section. Michelle, you've birthed three naturally, right? No medication at all. And, and Victoria, you did it naturally. Come on, somebody. We're building the church one natural birth at a time. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal, okay? The closer you are to giving birth, what happens, mamas? The stronger and more intense the birth pains become, right? Yeah. Right? The stronger, the more intense, the closer together, yeah. the contractions come, the birth pains come. You can feel it, okay? And in your life, the closer you get to the delivery of what God is birthing in you, the pain is going to be more intense and it's going to be stronger. Why? Because God is creating a capacity in you to handle what God is birthing inside of you to come out of you, okay? And so that pain, it is creating a capacity for you to handle all of the things that God is doing in you and he wants to do through you. Amen? And I feel this strongly in my spirit today. God wants to birth something new in you today. God wants to birth something new in each and every one of you 
today. God wants to give you a new vision today. God wants to give you a new perspective today. God wants to give you new life today. God wants to take you to a new place in your faith that you have never, ever been to before. God wants you to tackle new challenges today. God wants you to take new ground. Amen? For some of you, God wants you to develop a new relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you are far from God today. Maybe your life is wrapped up in insecurity today. Maybe your life is wrapped up in addiction today. Uh, maybe your life is wrapped up in pursuing the honor, the success, and the heights that this world has to offer. But he wants to birth something new in your heart today. Maybe right now, because God is birthing something new in your life, you're going through those birth pains. You're going through those spiritual contractions and it doesn't feel good. It's not very comfortable. It hurts, but it's because God is birthing something new. Your pain has a purpose. Your pain isn't without purpose. The pain you are currently going through, it has a purpose. You thought God was mad at you, but it's not that God is mad at you. It's that God is birthing something new on the inside of you. So we're going to be looking our text this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is by now. It's, it's Luke chapter number five, and we're going to be reading verses one through 11. And it says this, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Verse three, stepping into one of the boats. I want you to take note of that. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized that what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Or the way I learned this verse as a child, you'll become fishers of men. Okay. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. My first point today is this. When Jesus is about to do something new in your life, he'll always do it by stepping into something you own. When Jesus is about to birth something new in your life, he'll always do it by stepping into something you own. The text tells us that Jesus stepped into Simon's boat that he owned because Peter was about to receive a new call. He was about to receive a new mission. He was about to receive a new purpose. He was about to receive a new relationship. God was birthing something new in Peter's life. Peter was a fisherman by trade. He was probably part of a family-owned fishing business. This was how he made a living. This is how he spent his days out on the sea fishing, okay? 
And that's all he knew, and he was probably very skilled at fishing. But Jesus had something new for Peter to do, and so he stepped into something he owned, his boat. He deals with you and I the same way. When God is ready to bring something new into your life, you'll step into something you own without saying, excuse me, without saying, pardon me, without asking your permission. He'll step right into something you own, and he'll say, I got something new for you. I've got something better for you. Okay? And he does it by stepping into something you own. When God is ready to bring someone special into your life, he'll step right into your self-centered singleness. Okay? He'll bring someone to you and he'll say, you're not responsible for yourself anymore. You can't just throw your underwear in the living room anywhere. Okay? I always get in trouble for that. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. You've got someone else you're responsible for now. You've got to bear someone else's birth. You've got to pre prefer someone else over yourself now. That's right. Sometimes Jesus will step right into your career that you worked so hard to achieve, won't he? You spent tens of thousands of dollars to go to school and you've carved out this great career and Jesus jumps right into your career and says, I have something better for you. That's essentially what he did to Peter. He called him out of his career and into his calling. He called him out of his career and into his calling. Fishermen in Galilee were better off financially than most Galileans who were peasants. They were poor farmers, and so fishermen tended to make more money than most of the commoners there in and around Galilee. And so Peter and his compadres probably made a pretty good living before Jesus stepped into Peter's boat. And he tells him, you've been fishing for fish, but I'm calling you to now fish for men and women. Many times Jesus will jump right into the middle of your sinful lifestyle, won't he? He did that to me. He jumped right into the middle of it. He'll jump right into that crack house. He'll jump right into that bar. He'll jump right into that computer screen while you're looking at porn. He'll jump right into your self-righteous life where you think you're better than everybody else because you've learned the art of cleaning up everything on the outside. He'll jump right into that self-centered, self-righteous attitude of us won't he? He'll jump right into your sexually immoral, sexually perverse life and shake it yeah. all up. He'll jump right into your atheistic, agnostic, humanistic, yeah. naturalistic worldviews and rock yeah. your world, yeah. Yeah. won't he? Yeah. In fact, I've heard many stories of people that were, as they were trying to disprove God, they actually had an encounter with God. God jumped right into their boat the way he did Peter's boat, didn't he? Yeah. He does this because the things we're holding dear to are often the things that will hinder us from embracing the new thing God is doing in our lives. Yeah. The things that we're holding dear to that we think are so important, we think are so vital, those are the things that are often the things that are anchoring us down from embracing and walking in the new thing that Jesus is doing in our lives. Because if Jesus doesn't step into something we own, he might not get our attention because we're so comfortable. Yeah, yeah. If Jesus doesn't step into what you're holding on to for security, you'll never step into the life of faith that he has for you. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. I will do something what? I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be 
aware of it. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. When God was calling me and my family from North Texas to New York City, he said, you know that house you own, that three-bedroom, two-bath corner lot with a backyard and space and a two-car garage? You know that house you own? I want you to sell it. You know that furniture that you own in your house? I want you to sell it or give it away because where I'm taking you, that stuff, it ain't going to fit. Okay? You, you know that store called Ikea? Get real familiar with it because they make products that, that, that are specific for the, the place that I am sending you to. He said, you know that great job at that great church where you've been spending the last six years investing and building and pouring into? You know that, that job? I want you to give it up because I have something new for you. I have something different from you. I am shifting you and your family to something new. So here we are. <laughs> and when he called us to move our church from the Upper West Side, where we launched the church over two and a half years ago, uptown to Hamilton Heights, right here where we were, uh, you know what he said to me? He said, you know that place where you were convinced I called you to plant a church in? I want you to give it up and I want you to move uptown. Okay, uh, I'm calling you to a new location where I want to do a new thing in your church and in your life. Uh, but Lord, I felt like you called us to the Upper West Side and people told me that because of the color of my skin, I couldn't build a church in the Upper West Side. So I'm a competitive dude and so I got to prove them wrong. You know what God told me? Crucify that pride and do what I told you because I'm doing something new in your heart. And I'll take care of them. I just want you to be obedient. And what's crazy is that as we were deciding whether to move or not, we were like, I don't know if we should move uptown or not. We, we got this great building and we're not paying that much compared to storefronts and things like that. What if we don't get a, what, what if we have to pay way more uptown? And right around the time we were deciding, I get an email from our custodial engineer that we do all the leasing with. And he said, out of the blue, he said, we're not going to renew your lease. So God made it clear that our season was done there. He jumped into my boat and he said, I want you to row uptown. And so we rowed uptown and here we are. In fact, this is the one year anniversary of us moving into this building. Amen. And so going back to our original text in Luke chapter five, what's interesting about this story is that this, and you may not, you may not have picked up on this or realized this, this is not the first time Peter and Jesus met. Okay? And furthermore, this is not the first time Jesus called Peter to follow him. Several of the commentators that I read believe that this was actually Peter's second calling to follow Jesus. The first call is found in John chapter 1. People think the first call was probably uh, a year before this second call that we find in the text that I just read. And so let's look at that passage in John's gospel. It's, it's found in chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 40 through 42, and it says this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon, the same Simon from the Luke uh, story, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. We don't have time to read the entire interaction here, but in this first encounter Jesus had with Peter, 
they were actually, they were not on a sea. They were actually, they went to the place that Jesus was uh, staying at. Jesus traveled to the area and they went to see Jesus where he was staying at. In the second calling of Peter, they were obviously, they were finishing up an all-nighter of unsuccessful fishing. They were cleaning their nets and that's when Jesus came onto the scene. Uh, in that second, uh, in this first account, John the Baptist was still baptizing people. He had not yet been, uh, uh, he had not been, yet been arrested by Herod or beheaded or any of those things. Also, in the second calling of Peter, when they were in the boat, when Jesus tells Peter to go out into deeper water, Peter refers to Jesus as master. Okay, that's very interesting and that's very significant. This is a term used by the disciples towards Jesus because of his authority. You have to know someone in order to know their authority. If a stranger comes up in a boat, you don't know their authority. You don't know to call them master, right? And so this shows me and tells me that Peter had already had an interaction with Jesus, and that interaction is found in John chapter 1. And I bring this up because I assume okay, that there are a few people sitting in here today that you know that God is calling you to something new. And maybe you've even pursued it for a while, but because of one reason or another, because of one circumstance or another, because of one disappointment or another, you've gone back to what you used to do before the call. Okay? Peter had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus even changed his name from Simon to Peter and called him to follow him. But now in Luke chapter 5, we see that Peter has gone back to what he was most familiar with. He went back to fishing. Jesus had called him to something new, but Peter reverted back to what was familiar to him. As broken, fallen human beings, our default is always to drift back towards what's familiar, isn't it? Uh, when we're on a road trip, it's funny because we're talking about this during worship practice. When Priscilla and I are on a long road trip, guess what the playlist is all about? 90s R&B, baby. Why? Because we grew up listening to that, okay? What do you know about Brian McKnight? What do you know about some boys to men? Okay? Well, <laughs> what do you know about that army? What else? Alicia Keys. What else? Jodeci. <laughs> We're going old school there. What do you know about some of that? When we're on a long road trip, that's what we start to play because that is what we're familiar with. And as human beings, our default is to revert back to what's safe, what we know, what's familiar to us. And with music on a road trip, obviously there's nothing wrong with reverting back to what's familiar, right? But when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to our spiritual formation, when it comes to our calling, when it comes to our purpose... That doesn't happen. We can't grow if we're constantly reverting back to what's familiar and comfortable and safe and without risk, okay? We cannot grow. We cannot become everything God wants us to become. The Holy Spirit cannot form us into who we're supposed to be if we're constantly running to what's familiar. We're constantly running to what's safe. We're constantly running to what we're comfortable doing. Amen? Spiritual formation and growth happen as we move forward, yeah. not backwards. Yeah. Forward, not backwards. 
forward, not back. Have you noticed we're not decreasing the amount of instruments, okay? We, we started with the guitar and teach on the guitar. Then we moved to a cajon, okay? And I, and I prophetically put that cajon out there because I was like, if, if, we'll, if, we'll, if we'll put a cajon out there, God will bring somebody to play it. And nobody came. And so Michelle said, you know what? I can do it. She started playing the cajon. And then the last two weeks we've been having, dang, it's not on going to play some. In the last two weeks, we've had a Christian. It's because spiritual formation and growth, they, it doesn't happen by, by decreasing. It happens by moving forward into the new. Amen. And as we reject the temptation to be satisfied with what God has done and anticipate what God is going to do. Maybe you're in the same boat, pun intended, that Peter was in that day. Here's what's encouraging if you find yourself in that boat. Because of the grace of God in Peter's life, Jesus did not give up on him. He didn't. He, he, the first time he called Peter, and Peter, uh, maybe he served him for a while and then went back to what's familiar. He didn't say, he missed his opportunity, so I am done with him. In God's grace, he gave Peter another chance to follow him, to, to another chance to embrace the new, to, to, to walk in what he was calling him to do, right? During Peter's first encounter with Jesus, Andrew, who was Peter's brother, brought Peter to Jesus. But in this second encounter, Jesus went to where Peter was, and he stepped into Peter's boat that he owned. The grace of God is sufficient for you today. If you're sitting in here today and you know God has called you to do something, you know God has his hand on your life, but you've reverted back to your past life. You've re reverted back to what's safe. I want to tell you something. He doesn't condemn you today. <clears throat> He's not looking down on you today. He hasn't forgotten about you today. Yeah. His grace is sufficient for you right here, right now, and he is inviting you right now to embrace that new thing he wants to do in your life and do in your heart. You, 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 you're not too far gone. You haven't made too many mistakes. You haven't messed up too much. If you're sitting in here and you can hear my voice today, Jesus is inviting you to, to embrace the new thing that he wants to do in his life. Maybe he called you 10 days ago, 10 years ago, or, or maybe he called you 30 years ago. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care how dis, uh, disobedient you have been. He's inviting you to embrace what he has for you. that's you and you've subconsciously or consciously reverted back to what's familiar, I want to let you know that in his grace, he wants you to come back. Yeah. He wants you to come back. Let's look at how the second calling of Peter ended in Luke 5.11. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter left his fishing business. Peter left everything that was familiar with him. Peter left his source of income, and he followed Jesus. If I could have the worship team come up. Will you follow Peter's lead and leave your life of certainty, assurance, and safety to embrace the new thing that God has for you? And I don't know what 
new means for you. It means something different from everybody in this room. For some of you, it means to leave your life of sin. Some, somebody else, it's a step of faith. Somebody else, it's maybe you need to do, tweak something in your life, and your, it, you know, whatever. That new thing God wants you to do. Maybe for some of you, it's to actually start having a quiet time. Maybe for some of you, it's to increase your quiet time. Maybe for you, the new thing is to start talking to people about Jesus in your, in your sphere of influence. Whatever it may be, will you follow Peter's lead and embrace it? Will you leave your life where everything revolves around you to embrace the new thing God has for you? Will you leave the life of familiarity and comfort for the life Jesus has for you? And let me help you out for a second. And this will be free of charge by telling you something about Jesus, okay? I want to tell you something that I've learned, that I've encountered, that I've experienced about Jesus. Jesus will never call you to something easier than before you started following him. Here in America, many people accept Jesus simply to make their life easier, don't they? More comfortable, more convenient. But Jesus will never call you to something easier than before you started following him. In other words, if your life was difficult before Jesus, it ain't getting easier with Jesus. It might get harder. Okay? Now, sometimes we mistake difficult for dysfunctional, and Jesus will definitely take the dysfunction out of your life as you continue surrendering to him, but he never promised an easier life. Okay? And when I say easy, it's not like, it doesn't have to be that you have to be poor and you have to live with an infestation of bed bugs or, or rats. Or, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying what he calls you to will stretch you beyond limits. What he calls you to will, will force you to, to, to have a greater capacity for what he, what he has for you. Uh, 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 doing, embracing the new thing that Jesus has for you will cause you to get out of your comfort zone. It's not going to be an easy life. And you don't want an easy life because you lose respect for things that are easy. If, if when I was dating Priscilla, if she was easy to like, if, I, if, if my pursuit of her was easy, <laughs> let me clarify here. <laughs> if my pursuit of her was easy, I would quickly lose interest. But because she was hard to get, man, it was like, it's like, I have to have her. <laughs> I got to have her because it was, a, it was a definite challenge. Things that come easy in our life, we lose respect for really easy, don't we? And so that, that dream, that purpose, that mission that Jesus is calling, that life Jesus has for you, it ain't going to get easier once you start following him. So if you're trying to follow Jesus so you can have an easier life, a better life, a wealthier life, all of those things, you're following Jesus for the wrong reason. You're not really following Jesus. Because Jesus told Peter, I want you to quit your job. I want you to quit your source of income. I want you to quit fishing for fish. I want you to start fishing for men. Will you forsake what's safe for what's ahead? So Jesus, a professional carpenter slash up-and-coming preacher, steps into Peter's boat, a professional fisherman, and gives him fishing advice. Think about that. And after he used Peter's boat as a pulpit to teach the people that had crowded around the shore, after he used that boat as a pulpit and preached a sermon to them, 
He then tells Peter to go out into deeper water and let his nets down. At first, Peter argues with Jesus, and understandably so. After all, Peter is the professional fisherman here, not Jesus. He argues and says, Jesus, I don't think this is a good idea. I, I, I'm, I, I'm tired. I've been fishing all night. And we haven't caught anything. And, and in addition to that, Jesus was actually giving Peter bad fishing advice because people usually fish early in the morning or, or in the evening because the fish go deeper I'm not a fisherman. I've gone fishing a few times, but I've read about this. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not, a, I'm not an authority on this. But uh, uh, So people will fish early in the morning or, or in the evening because they have to wait till this, for the sun to go down because the fish go down deep into the water to, to, to stay away from the heat from the sun in, in the shallow parts of the water. So you don't, you, it, it's bad advice to go try to fish during the day because the fish are going lower and lower. That's why they had fished all night. So Jesus gave Peter bad fishing advice. And Peter had reservations, and understandably so. Peter knew. Peter knew the waters. He knew, he, he knew this skill inside and out. He had done it his whole life. But even with the reservations, hear this, church, even with the reservations, he obeys. <laughs> when Jesus tells you to do something, you'll never not have reservations. Yeah. You'll always, if, if you don't have reservations, that's not Jesus calling you to it. When Jesus calls you to something, it is so big. It is so bold. It is so stretching that you're going to have reservations. If you didn't have reservations, you wouldn't have to trust Jesus, would you? You could trust your own ability. You could trust your own intellect. You could trust your own experience. But Jesus always calls you to something bigger than all of those things. And when Peter obeyed and let down the nets, he caught so many fish that his nets began to tear. And then he had to call his partners over, John and whoever the other person was. He had to call them over and he had to use their nets and their nets got filled up. Because despite the reservations, he still obeyed Jesus. And here's what the Spirit spoke to me about this part of the story as I was preparing this week. Obeying Jesus blessed Peter in what was familiar to him. In other words, even though Jesus was calling Peter out of the fishing business, he blessed his fishing business in that moment. Okay? Some of you aren't following what's new simply because you are satisfied with the blessing of the old. Okay? And you're mistaking the blessing of the old with, uh, he can't possibly be calling me to something new. Okay? Just because you're blessed where you're at right now doesn't mean God isn't calling you to something new, church. Don't stay in a place that's outdated and old because you're enjoying the benefits of it if God is calling you to something new. And, and I'm not saying if you're enjoying the benefits and prosperity of your current season that God is automatically calling you to something new. But you know if God is calling you to something new, don't you? You know if God is nudging you into a different season, into a different phase. Amen? And then think about this as well. This influx of fish was going to allow Peter to make enough money to provide for the new that Jesus was calling him to. But he didn't know that until he obeyed, did he? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus' provision and blessing always comes on the other side of obedience. It doesn't come on this side of obedience. It comes on that side of obedience. 
but many people don't obey because they're expecting God to bless them and provide for them on this side of the obedience. It don't work like that, church. It doesn't work like that. Your simple act of obedience will release the hand of God's blessing to provide for what he's calling you into. Okay, but it happens after the act of obedience. So many of us want our nets to be filled, but we don't want to let down our nets again. (laughs) Come on, that's good preaching right there. So many of us want the surplus of fish, but we don't want to go out to where the water's deeper. We don't want to go outside of our comfort zone. We don't want to go outside of what's familiar, but we want our nets to be filled, don't we? So many of us want the miracle of the fish, but we don't want to go back out into the water after we've been fishing all night. When Jesus stepped into Peter's boat, they were cleaning the nets from fishing all night. They had uh, uh, what, plankton, I guess, beer bottles, uh, <laughs> trash all caught in their nets, and they had to clean the nets from all the filth in the Sea of Galilee. That's when Jesus came. He just completely inconvenienced all those guys. Right? He completely inconvenienced them. And I said, I, they said, I, I, he told them, I want you to go back out in that water. Many of us, we want the miracle of the fish, but we don't want the work that it took to get the miracle. We want extraordinary things in our life, but we don't want to give extraordinary effort, do we? So true. We want great things in our lives, but we don't want to give great effort. We expect the blessing of faithfulness without actually being faithful. Let me say that again. We expect the blessing of faithfulness without actually being faithful. So many Christians do that. They want God to bless them. They want God to provide for them. They want the rewards of, of faithfulness, but they aren't faithful. You reap what you sow. You don't reap what you don't sow. If we want the rewards of faithfulness, we must be faithful.